Thank you for tuning into the New Covenant Life Christian Church podcast, where we are loving God and loving his people. It's all about him. Our focus is spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ and advancing his kingdom in the earth. Now, let's join Pastor Pete Pierce for today's life-changing word. Matthew chapter 22, verse number 14. Matthew 22, verse 14. Amen. Are you there? One verse. For many are called, but few are chosen. Father, we bless you on this this morning. We thank you for your incredible love that you have for us, God. We thank you that um, in all things, you are our provider. We thank you even on this morning, Father God. There are churches that are open all over the world, all over this country, celebrating a risen Savior. The people that's coming to church for the first time, even on today, Holy Spirit, minister to their hearts. We thank you that you're going to add to the body of Christ today. This day. We don't take it for granted, God, that we have a, a chance to come and assemble and to hear from you. Now, Holy Spirit, do what only you can do, even through me and even in your people. We pray for the miracle of the sower. Everyone here is good ground, and they're going to bring forth fruit in their lives, some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold, for their good and for your glory. We love you can do absolutely nothing without you. It's in the matchless name of your son, Jesus, that we do pray and all the people of God shout it. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of our life-changing king. Amen. We're going to get into this word and we're going to move through it kind of swiftly. Is that okay? Amen. Because we kind of we kind of stretch for time, but we're going to be all right. Amen. Somebody say, we're going to be all right. And for a title to this message, now our text is coming out of Matthew 22, verse number 14. For many are called, but few are chosen. We've heard that so many times in church. Amen. We're going to talk about it and see what it's talking, actually talking about what it means. So um, the name of our, our message this morning, the title is, Your Name is Being Called. Amen. Somebody say, my name Hi. is being called. Galatians chapter 3, verse number 13. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures, and then we're going we're gonna to kind of set this thing up, and then we're going to bring it to a close. Amen. Is that all right? So Matthew, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, from the King James Version. It reads this. 13 and 14 is what I'm going to read. It says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written... Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. Verse number 14, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Amen. How many know you've been redeemed? That means you've been bought back. And as Elder Garfield and, and some others have related to or, or, or talked about even earlier this morning, is that he paid a price that none of us could pay. Well, here's the thing. I believe that sometimes, even in your, in your humanity, if you even could pay it, you probably wouldn't have paid it. Right? Because right? I don't know about you. I don't know if I could have did that. For me, I'm talking about Pete Pierce Jr. It may have ended in Gethsemane. Well, Father, you know, hey, it's all good. I know you. there's probably another way. He knew there was no other way. He was a sacrifice that had to come, but he willingly did that. He redeemed you back. Man, he paid the ultimate price 
to redeem your life back. And we're going to talk about what that means here in just a second. So in Matthew chapter 22, we're going to give you a little background up to verse number 14. Now remember on last week, we talked about that last week, that holy week, some of the things that took place. Well, Matthew 22 took place during that last week. This is one of those parables that Jesus taught in that last discord, that last week, when he's talking and dealing with his disciples. Amen? So let's give, let's give you the background to that. Matthew 22, verse 1 through 14. I'm going to go ahead and read that whole thing. Amen? Now, remember this is a parable. And remember when we taught you about parables, parables are not cute stories to try to get you to remember something. Jesus taught parables back in that day to provoke people because there was, there was enough there that they understood what he was talking about, but then there would be something on the backside they would say, what is he talking about? It would make them wonder and make them think about certain things. Amen. So Jesus taught them this parable. Verse number two. He said, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was, was ready, he sent his servant to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent out other servants to tell them the feast has been prepared. The bulls and the fatted cat, the cattle have been killed and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests that he had invited ignored them and went their own way. One to his farm, another to his business, and others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. And verse number seven. Verse number seven says this: The king was furious, and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their towns. And he said unto his servants, this is verse number eight: The wedding feast is ready, and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. Verse number nine, now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servant brought in everyone that he could find, good and bad alike. The banquet hall was filled with guests. Verse 11, but when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, friend, he asked. How is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. The king said to his aides, bind his feet and throw him into utter darkness where there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Verse number 14 says, for many are called, but few are chosen. Now this morning, I want, this morning I want to take a few moments on this Resurrection Sunday to talk about this incredible event that we celebrate on today. This is an event that happened that Jesus actually fulfilled so many prophecies that have already been written in scripture. Amen. It's the thing that separates our Christianity from all other religions. We have a risen savior. Amen. As Fanny said, Muhammad is dead. Amen. Buddha. But our God, somebody say he's alive. Many times when Jesus walked the earth, he spoke about his, his, his death and his burial and his, himself being raised again. Amen. But the resurrection, it proved that Jesus was the Christ, the anointing one and his anointing. There are others that came before him that said they were the Christ. Amen. But none of them, none of them died and was resurrected. Amen, somebody. Amen. So I want to remind us that everything that happened on this Calvary moment. One of the things that I want you to, to understand is that when he, the resurrection happened, it, it, it was the thing that solidified 
Jesus Christ having power over death. And it's the thing that it, it redeemed us back. It was the proof that everything that they talked about he was going to do that he actually did. Because here's the, here's, the, here's the revelation of a difference. In the beginning, when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, the Bible said that the father told them, the day that you eat thereof, dying you shall surely die. So guess what they did? They ate and they died. So now a plan had to, be, had to come into place to redeem us back. The only thing that solidifies your redemption that, that could pay the price was a, a, a risen Savior. It was Jesus being alive. Amen, somebody. So one of the things about him being alive, man, and here's the thing about Jesus when he did that. He did it out of pure love. It was love, man. It was love that kept him on the cross for you. Because he had the power. He had the authority. Matter of fact, in Matthew 26, amen, you know, during the same week when he was about to be crucified, and Peter, y'all know bad Peter, right? Peter whoops out, a, he whoops out his sword when it, he comes to get arrested. And Jesus said, no, uh-uh. If you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. He said, now, don't you know that I have, listen, if I wanted to, I could call for 12 legions of angels to come down and protect us if I wanted to. 12 legions, that's about 60,000 of them. If he wanted to. Now, that was just to protect him from being arrested. So you know if he wanted to come down from that cross, he could. Amen? But Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says this, But God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that's the thing that gets me, even about me. He died for me and he died for you when you were in your dumbest of dumb days. Come on now. He died for you. You know, the scripture talks about it been okay, or you may even think that you would die for somebody who was good. But you're going to tell me he's going to risk it all for someone who's bad? Yeah, all right. Somebody say, he loves me. He Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and despised the shame and is now set at the right hand of the Father. Do you know the joy that was set before him? It was you. And I want you to get this in your head. It was you at your worst. It wasn't you in your Sunday clothes coming to church. It was you that, listen, the joy that he had that was set before him was you at your very worst. When you were drunker than drunk. You know, higher than high. When you were doing all your dirt. He did it then. That was the joy he had before you, before him. Amen. It's not just because you were good. And then the one that we all, you know, we all, we all know this and we learn this from a kid. John 3.16. For God so loved, we're talking about the Father, that he loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten Son. That who shall ever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We have taken that scripture sometimes and almost made it a nursery rhyme. Well, it's not a nursery rhyme. It's not a fairy tale. It's absolute truth. If you believe on him, man, he's redeemed you back and you will have everlasting life with the Father, with the Son. And it's because he loved you, not because you were so good. 
Amen. Amen. And here's another thing about Jesus. Man, Jesus, like I said, Jesus was cool with the K. They couldn't kill him. Amen. He had to lay his life down. So let me prove it to you. John chapter 10, verse 14 through 18 from the New Living Translation. I'm going to read this. John 10, 14 through 18, New Living Translation. It says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. We're talking about the true shepherd. Amen. I'm just an under shepherd. Amen. Amen. How many know that? Listen, even for me, the Lord is my shepherd. Amen. Praise the Lord. Verse number 16. That says, I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice and they were, they will be one flock with one shepherd. Did you hear that? He said one flock with one shepherd. We are all the body of Christ. Amen. 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 You may be in another sheepfold, but we are the, of the same flock. I could preach on that for hours. Amen. Verse number 17. The father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I may take it back again. This is Jesus talking. He says, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. <laughs> Amen. For this is what my father has commanded. Jesus said, I'm doing this willingly. I'm doing this because I want to. Because I love you. Not, <laughs> not because you're getting paid. I hope we get this revelation sometime. Amen. I'm just helping you or doing this because I love you. Not because I'm trying to get something from it. Amen, somebody. I hope that just lingers in your spirit. Amen. That, you know. So when I call you to give me some help, amen. No, I'm just kidding. So last week we talked about the triumphal entry when he came into, into Jerusalem. They praised him. They, you know, they praised him. Hosanna, Hosanna to the highest because they thought this king was coming in to rid them of the Roman rule. But when they found out it wasn't true, this wasn't the one that they thought was going to rid them. They said, crucify him. The same folks that laid down the... the um, the palm branches were the same folks that said, crucify him. Now, let's go through that story real quick. Amen. We're just going to go through it real quick, and then I'm going to come to where I need to be, and we're going to let y'all go home. Amen. But this is something I want to encourage you to do, even with your, with your spouse or with your children. How about sometimes just talk about what took place? Amen. You can just talk about it and get to rehearse it in your mind and in your heart. Think about what happened. So now they say, crucify him. These are the, the, the Jews there that said, no, nah, uh-uh, crucify him. He ain't the one. <laughs> we thought he was going to do this. He ain't not. Just, just kill him. But here's the thing about it. They couldn't do it, right? The religious leaders couldn't just put Jesus to death. They had to have the, the Roman government to give them permission. Or the government had to approve of it. Do you hear me? We're talking about the church folk. So Jesus stands trial before Pilate who found no reason, nothing to charge him. Pilate finds out that Jesus is a Galilean. He's from, from, you know, from that, that region. So he, so he sends them to Herod. Now check this out. Herod is actually just visiting at the moment. Herod is just in the region. <laughs> but Pilate found out that he's there. So he's trying to, good. That's his jurisdiction. So I'm going to send him to Herod. 
Herod, you deal with this Jesus. Now, in the beginning, Herod was kind of excited because he had heard about all the things that Jesus did. He said, yeah, I'm going to get him to do a miracle for me. So now Herod, he comes before Herod. He starts to talk to Herod, and Jesus won't talk back to him. <laughs> so he's, I'm going to send you on back to Pilate. He says, you won't say nothing to me. Amen. <laughs> so he sends him back to Pilate. Now, here's the thing. Even the Bible says this. Now, Herod and Pilate were actually enemies. But they came together to try to crucify Jesus. Sometimes they have some frenemies. Amen. That have come together when they really can't stand one another. But they were trying to come against Jesus. Amen. Now the custom during that time is, is during, the, during this particular time that, they, that the, the Roman government or the governor was allowed to release one prisoner. Amen. So, so I, can, I can understand Pilate, man, because he said, this man, they did nothing. Like, basically, y'all tripping. So I'm going to give you a chance to release him. So you know the custom. And they said, no, uh-uh, give us Barabbas. We want to crucify him. Pilate's like, cool. <laughs> do what you got to do. So now it's taken out of the government's, the, the governor's hands. He said, now, okay, we're going to crucify him. No, first Pilate said, do this. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to have him scourged. We're going to beat him a little bit. Now, now, a quick little commercial break. Do you know, back in the day, that day, <laughs> not our day, that they would beat people? I'm talking the church would beat people. The government would beat people. Y'all looking kind of quiet. <laughs> Amen. We ain't talking about parents. We're talking about the government and the church folks. The religious leaders would beat people. So Pilate said this, okay, I'm, I'm going to make you happy by doing this. I'm going to go ahead and just, you know, we're going to scourge him a little bit. And they said, no, crucify him. So Pilate had him whipped. 39 lashes is what they said that he took because the reason they said that in, in the Jewish custom, if a, if a man took 40 lashes, that he's probably going to die. So that's why we always hear the 39. Amen. So that's where that came from. All this, he was being beaten. He's being spit on. So they took him and it was a regiment of soldiers. The Bible says they lined up, they, they, they lined up to slap him, to spit on him. It's not in the Gospels, Carlos, but in Isaiah, they talked about they plucked his beard out. Plucked his beard out. All this that he did willingly for you and for me, for all those to come. Amen. Then the Bible talks about they got him ready. They took him to prepare to crucify him. Now, no, they just said, just kill him. Crucify him to get him prepared. And take him to a place called the Via Della Rosa. Right. Amen. The road of suffering. Right. is what they had to take him because the, the ultimate place was to take him to Calvary or Golgotha's Hill. So as he's on the way, there, there's a person that's there, Simon of Cyrene. Cyrene is a, a region that's in, I think it's northern Africa. Right. Amen. Black man. We've been carrying across for a long time. Amen. Some, some black lives still matter. They mattered back then. So Cyrene is there to help him. Take, take him to the cross. So he goes to the cross. Amen. He's there. They pierced him in the side. First they nailed him to the cross. 
Come on now, can you imagine it? They pierced him in the side. They put a, 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 a crown of thorns on his head. He's bleeding. He was unrecognizable. You know those little pictures that we see of, our, of, of Jesus on the cross? That ain't what it looked like. Because what the Romans did back then, they would crucify you naked. Naked. He did this for you and he did this for me. So now here's our risen Savior. Oh, not sorry. Here's our, here's our Lord and Savior on the cross of Calvary. Pierce him in the side. He's having a conversation with his father. Ah. Having a conversation with father, father, my God, my God. Why have thou forsaken me? Now, something I want you to realize, listen to this, CeeLo. Now, if you go back through scripture, most of the time, Jesus would refer to the father as father. But in this particular moment, he was on the cross and he said, my God, because he was in humanity. My God. My God. Why have thou forsaken me? So the Bible says that he, he gave up the ghost. He hung his head. He said, it is finished and hung his head and died. Amen. And he did it all for you. He did all of that for you. Somebody say he did it for me. He did all of that for me. But now, now it didn't start. It didn't, it didn't end right there. They say he took him down off the cross and put him in a borrowed tomb. Three days later, they did all this kind of, they got guards and put a seal on the tomb. And, you know, they did everything because you know why they were scared. They said, man, we got to guard this tomb because all the, all the prophecies and these people say that he's going to rise. He even said he was going to rise again. So we got to make sure something, hey, we got to keep him in that grave. So they sealed the grave and they put guards out there. But three days later, just as he said, man, I could imagine what it was like. Man, the whole countryside started rocking. The whole countryside started shaking. And the Bible says the veil of the temple was ripped from the top to the bottom. Can you imagine it? Hallelujah. Three days later, he rose again. And listen, so now we have a risen Savior. Somebody say, he's alive. He's alive. The great cut keeper. Our Savior is alive. And that's the one thing, that's the act, that's the thing that happened in the earth that redeemed us back to the right place that we should be with the Father. It's a risen Savior. It's not that He was born, it's not that He lived, and it's not just that He died. They say the proof is in the pudding. Well, really, the proof is in the eating. The proof is that the tomb is still empty. Somebody say the tomb is still empty. I had a chance to, to travel to Israel. Oh, my God, look at my time. I had a chance to travel to Israel. They, there were two places they didn't, you know, that they think were the tombs. But guess what? Both of them empty. So he, it's, he's still alive. Now, let's get back to our text because I'm almost out of time. Matthew chapter 22 the movie's still running. I'm good. Okay, Fatty said I'm good. I'm going to take my, I'm going to pull it back. I'm, I'm good. So now we're going to get back to our text. Matthew chapter 22, verse 14. Many are called, but few are chosen. 
So y'all probably saying, what does that got to do with that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Amen. Amen. So let's read this parable again in Matthew chapter 22, verse number two. Y'all all right? Amen. It says the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the, by the story of a king, amen, who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. Now, when the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. Now, let me give you a little history. Now, the way this thing would work back in that particular time is when they would have a wedding, amen, they would send out initially written invitations. For people to come into come to the to the feast, but the, like the day be, day before the day of when it was actually prepared, they would send out a servant to remind them this feast is about to happen, and you're invited. Amen. So verse number four. So he went. He sent out other servants to tell them the feast has been prepared. The bulls and the fatted cattle have been killed, and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests he had invited ignored them and went their own way. Come on, they had other stuff to do. One to his farm, another to his business. And then it says, others seized his messengers, insulted them, and killed them. Listen, there's so many people still trying to spread the gospel. We're blessed in America. We're blessed in America. Because we can freely spread the gospel. But there are places even right now when they're trying to spread the gospel, they're being captured and killed just like with this servant. Trying to spread the good news. Verse number seven, the king was furious and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their towns. And he said to his servant, the wedding feast is ready and the guests I invited are not worthy of the honor. Now here it is, go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants, he, that the servant brought in everyone that he could find, the good, the bad alike. This is you and me. <laughs> Amen. And the banquet hall was filled. And when the king came in to meet the guests, check this out now, he noticed the man who wasn't wearing a proper, proper wedding clothes. Now let me tell you something else about that. The garments were provided. There's only one way to come to the Father, and that's through the Son. The garment he should have been wearing was a garment of righteousness that he gave him. Amen. Listen, you can't come to him with a garment of self-righteousness. He walked by and said, hey, there's something wrong with this one right there. Then the king said to his aides, bind his feet and throw him into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Let me, let me talk about that binding them and stuff. See, back in that time, when they would have their, their particular wedding feast, most of the time, all the time, it was at night. It was in the evening. And then the places where they would have the feast would be lit up. Because they had the little lamps in there. And anyone who wasn't invited would see the lights going on. So if you weren't invited and you were in outside of the wedding feast, they considered that outer darkness. Because you weren't invited. You weren't in there with it all lit up. Amen. Here's another, another interesting fact about, fact about the wedding feast. The wedding, y'all all right? Amen. The wedding feast was actually done during the night before the consummation of the marriage. They would have a feast. 
and they would celebrate. Because once the marriage was, was consummated, blood was shed. Amen. When Jesus died on the cross and blood was shed, see the consummation was something that made them one. When he died and when, he, when, he was, when blood was shed on the cross, it consummated you and me into him and made us one with him. Are you the bride of Christ? You've been consummated. Somebody say, I've been consummated. You've been consummated to be in there with him. He rose again. Now, our text go. I'm going to go back to our text. And it talks about many are called, but few are chosen. You know, we've messed that up in church them some, so many times to where we think the ones who answer the call are the ones who are necessarily anointed and gifted. No, the ones who, the, the one, I'm sorry, the ones who are actually chosen are the ones who just answered the call. Many are called, but few are chosen. Just by virtue of you answering the call and saying, Lord, here I am, that means you've been chosen. Now, here's another fact. Don't play with me, Carlos. Here's another little fact. I'm about to close this thing up. Here's another fact I want to tell you about being chosen. You know, the disciples were chosen. Now, that's not how that worked back then. The way it would work, Brother Don, is this. It's like if a person wanted to have a rabbi or someone to teach them, they would go to that person and say, Rabbi, teacher, would you teach me? And the rabbi would say, yeah. Okay, I'll teach you. And then from that moment on, their life changed. They followed this rabbi. They, they, their life would be connected to them. The thing that was so amazing about what Jesus did for these disciples and what Jesus did for you and for me, he chose them. He chose you. And they all had the ability to answer the call. When he chose James and John, they didn't have to come. When he chose Matthew, he didn't have to come. Bartholomew didn't have to come. But he chose them and they accepted the call and they came with them. So now let me give you, as I wrap this thing up, let me give you a modern day example of being chosen. When your Lord and, and, and my Savior, when he, he got up out the grave, he proved once and for all, he paid the ultimate price for you and I to be saved. Amen. He prayed. The, the, listen, the, the bill was paid in full. And there was a receipt. Now, last year I talked about that you have a receipt. Amen. You, and one of the receipts that we have is what we did this morning in communion. Communion is a receipt. That this thing was paid in full. So now let me give you an example, a modern day example. So here you are in your favorite department store. Fanny started smiling. You see, when, when Jesus was going through the things that he had to go through, and when he was up on the cross, when he died for us, everything that God has promised you was put on layaway. When he rose up from the grave, everything at that moment was paid in full. Now, the only thing you need to get your stuff is your receipt. 
so here you are in this department store, your favorite department store, and over the loudspeaker they call your name. Come get your stuff. They call your name. The question is, are you going to answer the call? Now, here you are in this particular department store. You see people that you know. And their names were called. You know, but they didn't answer the call. They kept on doing what they was going to do. Amen. They said, no, I don't do layaway. I don't do it. I do myself cash and carry, baby. Amen, somebody. But when they called your name, hey, when they called your name, here's the thing about answering the call. You answered the call, and then you went up to the little counter. You said, do you have a receipt? He said, I got my receipt that is paid in full. Well, what's on the receipt? Let me tell you what's on the receipt. An empty tomb is on the receipt. Now, let me tell you what's so significant about an empty tomb. The Bible says the stone was rolled away. It wasn't rolled away to let him out. It was rolled away to let you in. To know that it was paid in full. It was a witness. It was a testimony that, you listen, it was paid in full. So now, here you are again at the counter. You got your receipt. You're saying, listen, I see healing receipt. And then you look at him and say, I want my stuff. Hallelujah. You go back to the counter and you see peace of mind. Peace of mind is on your receipt. And you say, ah, I want my stuff. Come on, somebody. Then, listen, here's the, here's the ultimate thing. I love this. Then you walk up there and there's something that says the Holy Spirit.
Thank you for spending time listening to the Word of God. We pray that today's message has fallen on good ground and will produce a 30, 60, or even 100-fold harvest in your life. Don't forget to join us next week. Be sure to subscribe to the New Covenant Christian Church podcast and click share to share with friends and family because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God bless you and have a safe and prosperous week.